Welcome, friends, to the Elul 12 edition of the 29 Days of Elul. So it is going into day 12, and we're going to talk about uh, something that I wasn't able to cover in detail yesterday, and that is the 120-day series of ascents, the, the three ascents, 40 days apiece of Moshe up and down the mountain in the book of Exodus, Shemot. So, God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us by your commandments and charges us, commands us about engaging in Torah study. Well, thank you for joining us. So, I'm going to jump into this article. It's called The 120 Day Version of the Human Story. And this is from Chabad.org. So it starts with a quote, Come see the doings of God, his fearsome plot on the children of, ma- of man. That's from Tehillim Psalm 66.5. All right. So Rashi on Exodus 32.1 and 33.11 says, On Sivan 7, Moshe went up onto the mountain. On the 17th of Tammuz, minor fast day that we covered yesterday, I believe, in the book of Zechariah, the, that's the fast of the fourth fourth month. The tablets were broken. On the 18th, he burned Moshe, the golden calf, the Egel Zahav, and judged the transgressors on the 19th. He went up for 40 days and pleaded for mercy. Okay, so there was a period there. Judged the transgressors on the 18th, period. On the 19th of Tammuz, he went up for 40 days and pleaded for mercy. On Elul 1, he went up to receive the second tablets and was there for 40 days. So from Elul 1 to plus 40 days will take you to Tishri 10. What is Tishri 10? Seventh month, 10th day, Yom Kippur. God restored his goodwill with the Jewish people, or Israel, all of Israel, gladly and wholeheartedly saying to Moshe, I have forgiven as you ask, and gave him the second tablets. All right, so this is the beginning of the article. A single drop of seawater analyzed in the laboratory will reveal the characteristics of billions of her sisters. Indeed, it will tell you much about every drop in every ocean on earth. The same is true of history. On the one hand, each period is unique, each day, year, and moment, distinct in content and character. And yet, as we often recognize, the story of an individual life may tell the story of a century. And the events of a single generation may embody those of an entire era. On the surface, time may more resemble the disparate terrain of land than it does the uniform face of the sea. But once you strip away the externalities of background and circumstance, a drop in the ocean of time will reflect vast tracts of its waters and ultimately its entire expanse. We who travel to the terrestrial surface of time know it as a succession of events and experiences. We traverse its rises and slumps, its deserts and wetlands, its smooth plains and rocky passes. To us, the universal nature of the moment lies buried beneath beneath its more immediate significance to us. The moment yields not the totality of life and history, only those specific elements and facets thereof which it embodies. But there are also vistas of a more inclusive nature, landscapes of such diversity and impact that they are virtual mini-worlds of their own. 
There are stretches in the journey of an individual or a people in which the all-reflectiveness of the moment rises to the surface, in which a series of events offer a condensed version of the entire universe of time. One such potent stretch of time was this 120-day period in the years 2448 to 49 from creation. That's 1313 before Common Era BCE. The events of this period experienced by the people of Israel soon after their birth as a nation choreographed the very essence of the human story, the basis, the process, and the end goal of life on earth. This 120 days from Sivan 6, 2448 to, 10, to the 10th of Tishri, 2449, contained it all, the underpinnings of creation, the saga of human struggle, and the ultimate triumph which arises from the perfections and failings of man. On the 6th of Sivan, 2448, the entire people of Israel gathered at Mount Sinai to receive the Torah from the Almighty. There they experienced the revelation of God and heard the Ten Words, the Ten Commandments, which encapsulate the entire Torah. The following morning, Moshe ascended the mountain where he communed with God for 40 days and 40 nights and received the Torah proper, the more detailed rendition of God's communication to humanity. At the end of Moshe's first 40 days on Mount Sinai, God gave him two tablets of stone, the handiwork of God, upon which the Ten Words or the Ten Commandments were engraved by the finger of God. But in the camp below, the people of Israel were already abandoning their newly made covenant with God, reverting to the paganism of Egypt. They made a calf of gold and amidst feasting and hedonistic disport proclaimed it the God of Israel. Quote, God said to Moshe, descend for your people, which you have brought up from the land of Egypt. They have been corrupted. Oh, sorry. Descend for your people, which you have brought up from the land of Egypt have been corrupted. They have quickly turned from the path that I have commanded them. Moshe turned and went down from the mountain with the two tablets of testimony in his hand. When Moshe approached the camp and saw the calf and the dancing, he threw the tablets from his hands shattering them at the foot of the mountain. It was the 17th of Tammuz. Moshe destroyed the idol and rehabilitated the errant nation. He then returned to Sinai for a second 40 days to plead before God for the forgiveness of Israel. God acquiesced and agreed to provide a second set of tablets to replace those which had been broken in the wake of Israel's sin. These tablets, however, were not to be the handiwork of God, but of human construction. And it says, God said to Moshe, carve yourself two tablets of stone like the first, and I shall inscribe upon them the words that were on the first tablets, which you have broken. Come up in the morning to Mount Sinai and present yourself there to me on the top of the mountain. Moshe ascended Sinai for his third and final 40 days atop the mountain on Elul 1. God had already forgiven Israel's sin, and now a new and invigorated relationship between him and his people was to be rebuilt on the ruins of the old. On the 10th of Tishrei, we received our second set of the Ten Commandments, inscribed by God upon the tablets carved by Moshe's hand. Thus, we have three 40-day periods and three corresponding states of Torah. The first tablets, the broken tablets, and the second tablets. These embody the foundation of our existence, the challenge of life, and the ultimate achievement of man. 
Our sages point out that the opening verse of the Torah's account of creation, Bereshit, bara Elohim, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, begins with the letter Beit, Bereshit, Beit. Uh, the second letter of the Hebrew alphabet. This is to teach us that there is an Aleph, the first letter of the alphabet or alphabet. There is an Aleph that comes before the bait of the created existence. That creation is not an end in itself, but comes to serve a principle which precedes it in sequence and substance. Let me repeat that. This is to teach us that there is an Aleph that comes before the bait of the created existence. Therefore, that creation is not an end in itself, but comes to serve a principle which precedes it in sequence and substance. The pre-Genesis Aleph is the Aleph of Anochi Hashem Elohecha, I am the Lord your God. This is the first letter of the Ten Commandments, the Ten Words. Torah is God's preconception of what life on earth should be like. The basis and raison d'etre, which is French for reason or justification for existing. The basis and raison d'etre of creation is that, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Raison d'etre. Okay, anyway. Of creation is that we develop ourselves and our environment to this ideal. But God wanted more. More than the realization of his original blueprint for existence. More than the falling into place of a pre-programmed perfection. More than a first tablet world that is wholly the handiwork, handiwork of God. A created entity, by definition, has nothing that is truly its own. All the tools, potentials, and possibilities it possesses have been given to it by its creator. But God desired that the human experience should yield a profit beyond what is projected or even warranted by his initial investment in us. So he created us with the vulnerabilities of the human condition. He created us with the freedom to choose and thus with the potential for failure. When we act rightly and constructively, we are behaving according to plan and realizing the potential invested within us by our creator. But when we choose to act wrongly and destructively, we enter into a state of being that is not part of the plan of Torah. Instead, it is the antithesis of what Torah prescribes. Yet, this state of being is the springboard for Teshuvah, return or repentance. The power to rise from the ruins of our fall to a new dimension of perfection. A perfection unenvisionable by our untarnished past. This is how Hasidic teaching, which means teachings of like Hasidut, which is like mercy or, or, or um, ever, uh, what is it? Basically mercy, like the tenderness of God. This is how Hasidic teaching explains God's creation of the possibility of evil. This is his fearsome plot upon the children of man. The soul of man is a spark of godliness, inherently and utterly good. In and of itself, it is in no way susceptible to corruption. Its human frailties are nothing less than a contrived plot imposed upon it in total contrast to its essential nature. And if the first tablets are the divine vision of creation, the broken tablets are our all too familiar world, 
a world that tolerates imperfection, failure, even outright evil. It is a world whose first tablets have been shattered, a world gone awry of its foundation and its true self, a world wrenched out of sync with its inherent goodness. The broken tablets are a plot contrived by the author of existence to allow the possibility for second tablets. Every failing, every decline can be exploited and redirected as a, possi- as a positive force. Every breakdown of the soul's first tablets. Perfection is an opportunity for man to crave for yourself a second set in which the divine script is chiseled upon the tablets of human initiative and creation. A second set which includes an entire vista of potentials that were beyond the scope of the first holy divine set. God said to Moshe, Do not be distressed over the first tablets, which contained only the Ten Commandments. In the second tablets I am giving you also, Halakha, Midrash, and Agadah. Had Israel not sinned with the golden calf, our sages conclude they would have received only the five books of Moshe and the book of Yehoshua. For as the verse says, much wisdom comes through much grief. I believe that's from Kohelet, Ecclesiastes. It doesn't list the verse here. Maybe it's at the end of the, the, the article. And just to be clear, where it says God said to Moshe, do not be distressed over the first tablets, which contained only the Ten Commandments, uh, I believe this is commentary um, because it doesn't say in scripture that in the second tablets he's giving you halakha, midrash, and agadah, which is uh, halakha is the way you walk out the commandments. It literally means walking. So it's um, according to rabbinic authority how you observe the mitzvot. Midrash is stories that fill in the gaps and explain things that are not outright in scripture and Agadah is like legends kind of like maybe I don't want to say tall tales but they're they're stories uh, and it, it's the same root as Haggadah which is the the Passover um, the book that we use for Passover the Haggadah or Haggadah and that means telling so remembered and enacted. I believe this is the last section. These 120 days have left a lasting imprint on our experience of time. For the Jewish calendar does far more than measure and mark time. In the words of the book of Esther, these days are remembered and enacted. The festivals and commemorative dates that mark our annual journey through time are opportunities to reenact the events and achievements which they remember. Every Shavuot, we once again experience the revelation at Sinai and our acquisition of the blueprint and foundation of our lives. Every year on the 17th of Tammuz, we once again deal with the setbacks and breakdowns epitomized by the events of the day. The month of Elul and the first 10 days of Tishrei, Tishri, corresponding to Moshe's third 40-day stay on Mount Sinai, are, as they were then, days of goodwill between God and man. Days in which the Almighty is that much more accessible to all who seek Him. And Yom Kippur, the holiest and most potent day of the year, marks the climax of the 120-day saga. Ever since the day that God gave the second tablets to the people of Israel, this day is a fountainhead of Teshuvah. The source of our capacity to reclaim the deficiencies of the past as fuel and momentum for the attainment of new unprecedented heights. The source of our capacity to exact a profit from God's volatile and risky investment in human life. 
So therefore, friends, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. I just wanted to cover the three ascents of Moshe that you'll find in the book of Shemot because that was something I wasn't able to go and elaborate on yesterday. But may you be blessed and encouraged by this 12th day of Elul and may it be a fulfilling one and the most successful one to date and may tomorrow be even more successful than today, fulfilling and full of repentance, clarity, and the voice of Hashem in your ears and your heart. Be blessed and encouraged. Shalom, shalom. And Shabbat Shalom. We'll try to put the Elul 13 podcast up before Shabbat. Thank you for listening. Please send us any comments, feedback, questions to footstepsofthemessiah at gmail.com.